The ABC's Word Wizard, the Lord of Language. A word in your ear with Professor Rawley Sussex. It's that time of the day. The ABC's Word Wizard, Rolly Sussex, OAM, Emeritus Professor from the School of Languages and Cultures at the University of Queensland, is here willing and able to talk to you about words, language and linguistics. one three hundred triple two six twelve. That is the number that you can call. one three hundred triple two. 612 to speak with Rolly. And Rolly, you, it seemed, uh, was you were rather intrigued by the tennis at Wimbledon where, according to the official Wimbledon website, Queensland's Ash Barty won the ladies' singles final. Novak Djokovic won the gentlemen's final. Why the difference and distinction? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, well, as soon as you get to the Olympics and they're about to fall upon us, uh, you get the men's competition and the women's competition. You don't have ladies and gentlemen. Now, the distinction between, say, gentlemen and players was something that was quite well established in British cricket. The players were paid and the gentlemen were not. And do you remember the film Chariots of Fire? There was a terrific Mm. kerfuffle about having a professional coach or not. So that, you know, being paid or not was one issue which separated gentlemen from players. But gentlemen from men is much more tricky. And um, there are, in fact, series of words referring to gender. And we're going to tread carefully because this is difficult stuff. Uh, Lady, woman, girl and female are all very common. And there are three main ways in which you can use these words. First of all, to refer to a person. So you might say, that man over there looks a bit shifty. Okay, so you're referring to a person. Second one is to address someone. So, excuse me, what do you say? Madam, lady? And the third one is, Mm. let's say you've got someone and you need to specify the gender. Now, remember that nowadays the the general rule is if gender's not relevant, particularly with a professional name, don't use it. But let's say you've come into emergency, a doctor has seen you, and then another doctor comes in later and says, what did the doctor say? And you say, oh, I can't remember. And the new doctor says, well, did you see the lady doctor, the woman doctor, or the man doctor, the male doctor? You see how, how, how tricky these things are. Yeah. This is why I'm forever glad to be born Australian, where mate takes you through <laughs> just about every situation. <laughs> doctor mate. Yeah, right. Old mate. Although I've been in trouble before for um, sounding too casual in describing someone. But I do, I have, oh, perfectly honest, uh, said with, with due respect in many uh, situations, because I don't want to get trapped in a, yeah. in an awkward, you know, is it lady, is it sir, is it mom, madam? I just say mate with a smile on the face. Yeah. Right, for example, I think I have a colleague who is a doctor and who says she is very happy to be called a a lady doctor and rather prefers that to woman doctor. She said woman doctor sounds a bit sort of clinical. Um, But then uh, Brian Garner, who did a book on American usage, refers to female book salesman. Now, that's clunky. Right. And And the U.S. Air Force actually has female airmen. Female airmen. Now, what are you going to call an air person who who isn't gendered, I have no idea. That's a really tricky one. So we are, we're going to talk about, about the usage of these words and the sorts of ways in which people are using them. And in particular, we'd like to ask the, the listeners what you feel comfortable with. Um, in a shop, do you like to be called madam or sir or not? 
I know I've had calls from some people in the past who've said, Matt, it makes them feel terrible. Um, you refer, do you prefer no form of address at all? That's another option. And as you said, we can leave it out or we can go, you know, take, take resort with things like mate or whatever, which is, which is perfectly okay in Australia, but would be rather strange in, <laughs> in America. So. Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah. Okay, so call now on 1-300-222-612. That's 1-300-222-612. When you're shopping, how do you like to be addressed? What is the term you would like the shop assistant to use when they approach you and offer you help? Providing, of course, Rolly, that they do approach you and offer you help. <laughs> um, <laughs> on ABC Brisbane and Queensland, Rolly, may I ask what, what you would prefer when you're shopping? Oh, I, I often get sir, and that's possibly because I've got white hair and not much of it left. And so I'm a person of a certain age, and I probably look a bit academic and sound it. Uh, and so... Most people in shops tend to refer to me as sir. Um, I can remember years ago buying a, an overcoat in London in one of the nice places where you buy overcoats. And the person who was trying to fit me said, sir is a little upright. <laughs> what? <laughs> was that, what was I meant to do? Hunch over or something? <laughs> yeah, sir's not about to slouch uh, with you down there. No. Thank you. Um, okay, so Dean is in Salisbury. Uh, yes. Dean, you have um, a question, really, I suppose. But before we get to it, what would you like to be called at the shops? Uh, well, I suppose I am. I have a few years under my belt, so I, I kind of expect sir, but I use that for other people. If someone drops something, I say, excuse me, sir, you've dropped something. What's mm. me, ma'am? Yeah. You've dropped something. So I'm quite comfortable with that. Yeah. Okay, Dean, that, that would be an unknown person, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. That, that is another part of the puzzle, I think, that if you're addressing someone who's completely unknown to you, how do you get their attention in a polite way which isn't going to give the wrong impression? Yeah, and erring on the side of politeness may be sensible Probably, yeah. advice. Yeah. Okay, Dean, what, what, what's, your, what's your issue? Well, I um, remember when I was a child, I used to get a birthday you know, letter or card from my grandmother, and she used to write Master Dean oh, as yes. my last name, and I was always chuffed uh, about that, and I uh, thought it was directly directed to me, and it was, you know, it was honouring me with, the, with, with that title, and I thought it was very, you know, very cool at the time. Mm. And I am now writing letters to my grandson. Every time they come and have a visit, I write him a, a, a paper letter with my you know, pen that I just inherited from my father-in-law who died from COVID um, at the end of last year in Los Aww. Angeles. Oh, very Dean. Sad. Sorry so, for your loss. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, but anyway, I have a beautiful, my beautiful Pelican pen and uh, mm. now writing to him. And I address it Master and his full name. Um, but his his parents, my son and uh, and daughter in law, they haven't mentioned it to me, so I'm not sure how it's going over. <laughs> yeah, I can remember the very first letter I got addressed to Mister when I was about twelve, and I thought, "Wow, I've arrived." Um, there used to be a gen, sorry, an age difference. Master was up to up to puberty, roughly, and then I think you were assumed to have acquired some some seniority, and you started getting Mister, but. Um, it's, I think Master is just about dead now. I haven't, haven't seen it written for a long, long time. And uh, it's a, a nice bit of social politeness, uh, which I, I kind of regret, because nowadays when you address an envelope, most people don't put Mr. or Ms. or anything else. For safety, as Kat says, leave it out. 
So you just put their first name, second name. Yeah, if in doubt, leave it out. Dean, thank you very much. We'll just keep moving because uh, many of you would like to speak with Rolly and join in the conversation on ABC Brisbane and Queensland. So we'll do our best to get as many of you in as uh, we can. Uh, Ali in Toowoomba, how were you addressed when you're at the shops? Um, I, I have a real issue with being called guys. How are you guys going? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, okay. What do you guys want? You know, you can be sitting in a, a fine restaurant and the waitress will come up and say, okay, guys, are you ready to order? And it's like, ah, oh, it's so casual. It's too casual. Mm. Um, it, I don't know where it comes from. Ah, guy comes from Guy Fox, who was the man who was getting ready to blow up the Houses of Parliament and was caught and tortured and eventually hung, drawn and quartered for his pains. And it was pains. Um, and that then became, particularly in America, a general informal term for males. And then we borrowed it from the Americans and then we followed the Americans applying it to mixed gender groups. So, you know, guys can be men and women together or, or younger males and females. And then it turned, it yet again, it now can be used for women only. And my daughter, who's in her 30s, says that she very frequently hears from her friends, uh, come on, guys, let's go for a drink. And that means women only, that's all that's present. But I agree with you, it is informal. And I think if the restaurant has greater pretensions, then it should be finding something else. The question is, what? What indeed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if only we had different views on the word use, Rolly, uh, <laughs> to the word, views that most of us um, have, uh, maybe that would solve the problem. Um, thank you very much, Ali. Wendy at Cressmead. Are you Madam Mom? Uh, how are you addressed at the shops? Um. Not often, actually. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> often the point. Yeah, you don't really sort of get it very much. Um, I don't have a... I have a, a an issue with a man. So I feel like I should be the queen when I'm called that. Yes. Um, but the, the real question I want to ask, I've got two little ones. One is, do we really need, when we're filling forms in now, to tick Mr, Mrs, Ms? Really? Because there's... It just seems a little bit superfluous these days. Right. The What happened over the last 30 years was the fact that there was before a distinction between Mrs and Miss, depending on whether you were married or not, but there wasn't a parallel one for males. You were just Mr whatever. And we solved that one by inventing Ms, M-S, and that has now become the default way for any female of any age or marital status. And in fact, people have even invented a new one, MX, which is for people who don't want to declare their gender identity. Um, so that things have become a lot more complicated than they were. Um, it is sometimes, for example, on the census. It'll be interesting to see how they do it this time around. Uh, they do want to know what gender you are because that has a lot to do with the way they interpret the, the other data that you give. So there has to be some way to do it, and they're trying to find the, the most neutral way to do it. Hmm. Thank you, Wendy. You had another, another question? Just a quick one. Um, Raleigh, when people get cranky and angry, when I was growing up in New South Wales in the Hunter Valley, you would hear them doing their block. Oh, yes. I wonder where that came from. That, that's a very old uh, English, English saying. Um, there, there are various blocks, uh, and I'll have to check up on that one because um, chock-a-block and so on has to do with pulleys on a ship, 
but I will find out about Do You Block and let you know. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy, at Crestmeet on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. 25 minutes past to Professor Rolly Sussex having a word in your ear. My name is Kat Feeney and Brian is on the Gold Coast. G'day, Brian. Oh, hello, hello. Um, I don't I don't really care what people call me in the shops, but I do wonder about when they get called Dal or Darling. Oh, Dal. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the British do this a lot. They also call you Love. And, yes, and yes, this is rather right. strange when you've never met them before. Yeah, that's right. I do have a question on the word cohort. When I was at, at, yes. uh, at high school, I learned a poem and I uh, and listened to the old grey drake calling his cohort forth. Now, I mm-hmm. hadn't heard that word used for about 70-odd years, and suddenly it has come into, into vogue. And, and every time you, you read a paper or you listen to the news, you, heard, you hear cohort. How how has that come back into into being? Any idea? Well, cohort was originally a group of men in the Roman armies, so that it goes back a long, long way. Um, And then um, in America in the middle of last century, it started meaning um, friends. You know, Jack arrived with three of his cohorts, meaning people from his group, as it were. Okay? And I think you're quite right. The, The word has suddenly got a bit of a resurgence. I'm not quite sure where from, but that's what it means. That's how it came about. And we'll have to see how it develops because some people, I've heard it used actually in quite a pejorative sort of way. You know, those little brat whatever and his cohorts, meaning not nice people. Thank you very much, Brian. Dexter, uh, in regards to part of the conversation that we had last week uh, and a question put by, um, well, I think, was it you, Dexter? Did you ring through and ask about props originally? Hello? Uh, Yeah, hi. Yes, I did. Excellent. Okay. And we were both a little confused and uh, and a little uh, clueless and Rolly was going to go away and do some research. And Rolly, what have you uncovered? We are now less confused. Um, I thought it might have something to do like this. It was originally proper respect and that turned into propers, right? Do you show propers to someone? And propers got shortened to props. And so that's how it came about, uh, according to Urban Dictionary, which I think is right in this case. And so props just means showing someone proper consideration and respect. Word respect is a bit interesting, actually. If you say, give my respects, that means a polite greeting, doesn't it? Usually to someone older and a little bit formal. So proper respect, I think, is riding along with some words which indicate that you're trying to be polite and careful. Does that fit with how you would use it, Dexter? Uh, yeah, probably. Or just yeah. as a... Yeah. Yep. So props so, to uh, you, put proper it in respects. A sentence. Would, yeah. would you give, give them my props or you're not showing props to me? Something like that? Uh, I'd just say if... When I use the term, I say props to that as a meaning of a well done and respect. So... Uh, yeah, can't. It, yeah. Okay, I think we get that. Thank you very much. Yeah, well done, Dexter. Yeah. Yeah. Re props, props to Dexter uh, on ABC Brisbane and Queensland for coming up with an excellent question, and props to you, prof- Professor, for finding the answer. Lisa on the Sunshine Coast with a question next about the collective noun for. Oh, this is a good one, Lisa. Yeah. A collective noun for what? Hello. 
Hey, um, collecting them for your nieces and nephews. So say you've got a brother and sister and they both have two children. Mm-hmm. I researched it about five, six years ago when I happened to get two nieces and nephews. And I was like, you know, I don't want to say nieces and nephews every single time. Um, I, I had a short look to see if there was any collective now and couldn't find anything. No. So I did make up a word, which our family uses now, um, because nieces and nephews both start with N. We, I made up nibblings to your siblings, <laughs> children. So, um, but I wondered if there was actually one out there. No, there isn't. Um, and, you know, people talk about extended family, but that's very vague and includes aunts and uncles and things as well. And so if you want to talk about your nieces and nephews as opposed to your own children or something, there isn't a word, and nibblings might do quite well. Um, there is, by the way, a, a terrific book um, called An Exaltation of Larks, because the collective noun for larks is exaltation, by a man called James Lipton. And he has, first of all, a, ter- a long, long list of some formally correct collective nouns, and there are a whole lot he's made up as well, um, which are actually quite funny. We might talk about collective nouns in, in a future program. They're, they're good, because if you were young, you were a young squire in the 14th century learning how to be a, 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 a knight in training, um, you certainly had to know that you were going to get a brace of partridge and, and not a brace of, I don't know, deer or something, and this is part of your training. It's a part of venery, which is V-E-N-E-R-Y, which is the science of hunting. Well, there you go. Uh, so much to learn from you each and every week uh, on ABC Brisbane and Queensland. Professor Rowley Sussex, the ABC's Lord of Language, taking your questions and hearing your comments about language and linguistics. Uh, Rowley, we've had many text messages as well this afternoon. And uh, just before we move on to some other questions, uh, to the topic of uh, forms of address, yes. um, inspired by your observation that it's gentlemen's and ladies at mm. Wimbledon, mm-hmm. um, it was international non binary day yesterday yes. and Sarah at Forest Lake is looking for a little bit of guidance as to how to properly formally address a non-binary person. She's heard that MX uh, per mm. mix is the correct mm. term. Uh, how would you say it and where does that term come from? Mm. Well, MX is an attempt to neutralize the difference between MR and MS because if you think about it, MR and MS, mis- no, Mr. and Ms, are are still gender specific and what happens if you want a term as happens in shall we say indigenous languages in australia which don't distinguish gender in he and she what happens if you want a term which is neutral as to gender and so they invented mx because in algebra x is the unknown quantity you then have the problem of what are you going to pronounce it as and people normally say mix or just they they don't pronounce it at all but the usually the safest way is to ask people how they want to be addressed because some people, particularly those who are moving from one gender gender to another, um, have very sensitive feelings about where they are and where they're going. And it's a courtesy which you can offer them to ask, how do you wish to be, be addressed? And a lot of people now put in their email signatures of what their pronouns are going to be. You know, he or she or their or whatever. Hmm. I'm always uh, put to mind of cats and the uh, poem from Elliot about how one should address a cat. Um, So let's return to the Sunshine Coast now. Uh, Mike is standing by with a question about vocabularies. G'day, Mike. Oh, g'day. How are you going? Good. What would you like to know? Now, last week, uh, I'm not quite sure 
but I think you said either there are 60,000 or 600,000 words in the English language. Yeah. Now, now, what I want to know is how many words would the average person know or recall just over a period of time, if that's not mm. a difficult answer? Okay, this is this is hugely complicated. Uh, the Oxford Dictionary has, I think, somewhere 650 roughly thousand words, but that's a list of all the words that have ever been in English. And there are lots of technical words, of local words, of um, colloquial words in different parts of the world where they talk English. And the best guess is that English has well over a million words. How many of those does any individual have? Uh, David Crystal, who is a linguist in England, made a very important point. First of all, your passive vocabulary is a lot bigger than your active vocabulary. In other words, you recognize more words than you'd actually use. But he reckoned passive vocabulary for an educated person was possibly 60,000. Now, that's a lot. And if you know more than one language, it fills up your head very quickly, as mine is. I uh, expect it would be bursting at the seams, uh, yeah. Rolly. Um, Audrey in Ipswich, uh, good afternoon. You have a question for Professor Rolly Sussex about habitant poetry. Is that yes, correct? I do. Hello. Uh, hi mm. there. Um, when I was a youngster, I read a charming children's book by Lucy Maud Montgomery set in Canada, as all her books were. And one of the characters used to recite habitant poetry and of course um, a lot of influence in Canada is French but I wondered Rolly is it still a thing and is there such a thing in other cultures habitant um, okay this is from French habité which yes. means to live or dwell or whatever and the habitant was the name of an early French settler in Canada particularly Quebec um, possibly also Louisiana, by the way, which was French at one stage. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so this is a word which is only Canadian. It's only for people of a certain ethnic origin. Uh, I don't know whether they still use it in Canada. I can check. But thanks for reminding us. I hadn't thought about that one for a long while. Thank you. Thank you. It's okay. always interested me. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you, Audrey. It is 25 minutes to three. News at three o'clock. Uh, you are on ABC Radio Brisbane and Queensland. Stan is in Gympie. Hello, Stan. Hello. Now, uh, is it a comment about the uh, form of address you'd like to receive when you're out and about shopping or a question about a word that you like? Oh, just a word that uh, bugs me a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wondered when, if Rolly could just uh, help on the subject, when did snuck sneak into our vocabulary. Snuck has been around quite a long time and there was a form of, of sneak very similar to that way, way back in Old English, which is a thousand years ago. Um, the It became uh, popular in America in the last century and it's got to Australia in the last 20 years or so in a big way to the point where sneaked is now probably in a minority as the past tense or the past participle. Um, I first heard it in a rugby league game, so-and-so snuck in the corner for a try and if you actually hear sneaked nowadays you sometimes think, wait a moment, it's a bit unusual. Mm. So this is one of the verbs which is in the process of being reanalyzed, I think. Mostly, verbs go from 
being weak, in other words, ED on the end, to strong, which is changing the vowel, um, as happened in America with dived and dove. But sneaked and snuck is a little unusual. Yeah, um, and, and to that point, I mean, I, I would hear sneaked and feel someone was speaking incorrectly. But there you go, yeah. that just reflects In maybe. fact, they're more historically correct yeah. to say sneaked. Yeah. yeah, well observed, Stan. Well done. On ABC Brisbane and Queensland, Professor Rolly Sussex, it's almost time for your last word. But uh, would you like to round out the conversation about forms of address before we get there? I mean, look, uh, form of address, you have to be terribly careful because woman used as a form of address can be quite quite denigrating. Look, woman. It implies that the person hasn't understood. The equivalent in America is lady. Uh, look, lady, uh, which is, again, not polite. On the other hand, and I love this one, I was listening to women's cricket one day and the umpire, who was female, said to the players, ready, ladies? And I thought that was interesting because you would think in sport you'd have a women's competition and after all there's a women's competition in rugby league and there's a women's competition in cricket but the umpire addressed the players as ready ladies. I thought that was that was a really interesting bit of perhaps slightly slightly old-fashioned language but rather nice. <laughs> all right, uh, Professor, time for your last word. Hey, this is a, a one about ladies in labour. So a, la a lady in the labour ward suddenly shouted, shouldn't, wouldn't, couldn't, didn't, can't. And the doctor said to her soothingly, don't worry, those are just contractions. <laughs> ah, pleasure and a privilege as ever. Professor Rolly Sussex, thank you so much. Thank you, Kat. Bye. On your radio and online. At home or on the road. This is ABC Radio.